You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick, Mitch Hot with you this morning. Uh, theme of the show is, I guess, what's hot and what's not. We're going to talk about what is in favor, what is out of favor, and how that uh, relates to you and how this could potentially change at the end of the year or into next year. We are at pretty much all-time highs here in the market so um it's just kind of more of the same here this morning uh, what's hot is staying hot and what's what's not hot is uh remaining uh <laughs> being out of favor a uh, couple guests on the docket for today our first up is at uh, 8 35 craig johnson he is a managing director and technical market strategist at piper sandler and then at nine we've got a new guest Jeff Lambert, he is the founder and CEO of a company called Ticker. They've got a pretty cool idea. Their their uh, company basically connects shareholders to brands and is, operates under the idea that if you own stock in a company, you might as well get rewarded in the way of discounts and perks and that sort of thing. So uh, if you if you own uh, shares in any consumer focused companies. And you think, hey, I should get a a discount for being a shareholder. Well, Jeff's company is doing that. So that'll be a nine. I want to remind you all that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Before I throw it to Joel, hit that like button. Let's see if we can get up above like 100 before Dennis starts talking here. Uh, Joel, how are we doing this morning? Let's bring you off mute here. But uh, how are things going for you in this wild market? Uh, kind of a round trip overnight, uh, kind of back where we started our the open from yesterday. A little a little sell-off. I wasn't a little sell-off overnight. We got down 30 handles shortly before 8 o'clock, made a pre-market low at 36.51. And then while you were sleeping, the buy the dippers do what they usually do. Brought us back, uh, got up to 90.75, a couple other daily highs in that area. So up 550 at uh, 82.75. 
Uh, we have crude in the green by a nickel at 47.05, uh, trying to recover from a couple days in the red. Uh, gold repelling off 1900, down 410 at 1866.20. And silver going to the same way. Uh, that's down 1.5 cents at 25.52. And uh, new handle here for Bitcoin. We did trade a little bit over 24,000 uh, over the last couple sessions, but we are now sitting in the 24,000 handle on the futures, up $420 at 24,225. Uh, good morning, Triple D. And I guess wow. you had a little bit of action uh, before you shut things down at 8 o'clock. Yeah, like the sell-off start happening. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And then uh, Buddy at Bright Trading says, Trump Twitter video. I was like, oh, I didn't even know I had to watch the Trump Twitter account. It hadn't been moving stocks for a while, but all of a sudden there's a video and all of a sudden the stimulus is in jeopardy and all of a sudden everybody's selling stocks. And then I'm like, are we really going to sell off 30 handles because Trump, you know, is complaining about, you know, the bill? I'm Anyways, um, you know, I was surprised at the extent of the sell-off. I'm not the least bit surprised at the extent of the rally to get it all back here. So is the stimulus bill going to be dead because of this? They'll go back. They'll fix it up, and eventually it will get signed. So it might delay it a little bit more. But, I mean, I kind of, to a certain extent, agree with, you know, what some of, you know, not that I'm a Trump fan, not that I'm a Trump supporter, but I somewhat, you know, get the point. I mean, if we're sending, you know, this is supposed to be a stimulus bill to help the U.S. people. So I don't know why all that other stuff's included in there to send overseas. Maybe it was a small amount, but $600 making a difference. I mean, if there's a way that they can get that up to 2000 bucks a person, sure, do it. Robin Hood be happy. I, I would just say, you know, that uh, a law may not be the best thing if Trump and Pelosi both agree with each other. That's that's how you know. Maybe. Yeah, I know. Pelosi says, sounds good to me. Yeah. And then it's the market started turning when she said, sound good to me, too. The futures turned around and then started rallying and didn't stop. But this is bullish, isn't it? I mean, Joe, if we go from $600, everybody throws in the Robin Hood account. Now $2,000 goes in your Robin Hood account. That's going to propel stocks even higher. So how is this bad? Uh, it's not bad. I just, you go back to stimulus, no stimulus before the new administration. So I just think, uh, I think Trump's just trying to throw his weight around a little bit, uh, before the, um, inauguration, but, um, really it, there's going to be a stimulus package, the size of it. We do not know, but, uh, more, more the merrier, right? I think so. I mean, the party continues here. One thing, the tea leaves reading a little bit. You're seeing some of the Momo stocks. They were really trashing them all on Fast Money last night. Like I was watching Fast Money and it's like, Dan Nathan's always bearish. You know, he's been bearish all the way up. So, but everybody else, every single person on Fast Money, to Guy Adami, to everybody was like, this is overdone. And, you know, they were basically calling for a crash, you know, on, on not on stocks overall, but on all the little Momo names. And I'm like, of course it's overdone. It's been overdone for the last two months on some of these names, but they continue to fly higher. So they pointed out the Fubo. They pointed out um, Palantir. They pointed out a lot of stocks that have obviously been running. And even though Palantir hasn't been running lately, I don't know why they were picking on poor Palantir because it really hasn't run at all. Full disclosure, I'm still on both of those stocks. But we know how the party will end eventually. I mean, are these stocks worth what they're worth? But but how do we know how far we're into the party, Joel? How how do we know if they don't just spike the punch here again? How do we know that it's not eight o'clock and instead everybody's calling and it's midnight and we all turn into pumpkins at midnight? 
I don't know what time it is. So that's why I'm not just completely getting out of all these stocks. If you're on margin, we said it a couple of days ago, it's probably time to get off margin because it is getting a little overextended in some of these smaller names. But, you know, if you're in, I mean, maybe you sell a little bit, lock some in. Um, obviously, we're seeing a pullback in some of the Momo names here this morning, but we've seen pullbacks. You know, Jemiah had a huge pullback, JMIA, back from, you know, we're looking at the end of November from 40 down to 24. Well, it's a 49 bucks. It's up another $2 here this morning. We talked about it a few days ago saying it looks like it's ready to go. And lo and behold, it takes off again. So it's hard to just be out of all these names because you know what? I look at my investment portfolio and I have mega caps and I have a lot of my money in, you know, solid Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, the solid big caps. But where I'm making the most money right now is in these little stocks like Jemaya and Fubo. I mean, it's incredible how much they're going up. Now, again, this party is going to end ugly. So, you know, speculative capital really at this point in time in most of these stocks is what I would say, because these stocks could fall 30% one day. They can do that. But is that day today? Is that day tomorrow? Is that day next week? I mean, you know, who knows where they fall from? And I mean, if you were saying, oh, yeah, Jemiah's over down at 25, which it probably was when it went from 13 to 25 in a week. And, you know, then you're saying, okay, there's going to be a 30% fall. Well, you got your 30% fall. It went from 41 down to 24. And you know what? Two, week, two weeks later, it's right back up and taking off and making new highs again. So it's hard to get completely off the bandwagon and call a crash here without seeing any signs. You know, all we saw last night was, you know, we, we had a spooked market for a half an hour. And they came right back in and bought the dip again. So I don't know where the party ends, but I don't want to start, stop partying myself until i see you know a lot of people leaving the party so here's the question dennis and and joel uh is is what would it take for either of you to get off the bandwagon well dennis we know you're gonna sell early regardless i always sell early and and that's fine um but what will it take for you both to to actually do something in a way, position yourself in a way that you're saying, oh, I I do not like this. Like, rather than talk about it, say you're spooked. We all, everyone acknowledges, right, that we're in a bit of a mania well, right now. But what would it take for you to actually do something about it? I think I got to see a headline that makes the game change. Uh, either, you know, a headline saying that Powell comes out and says, okay, it is irrational exuberance now and we're going to stop spiking the punch. Or what I've said, the one headline, which would be terrible, is if the, for whatever, and, and AstraZeneca said last night that they believe that their vaccine will work on the mutated version. But if Pfizer was to come out and say, look, we don't believe our vaccine is effective against the mutated version, this party's going to end in, in minutes. So that's a scary headline that I would watch out for. I don't think that's going to happen. I hope that's not going to happen because I hate being in the lockdown. But you just got to watch. There's always, you usually... You know, you, you get these turns and yeah, they can be technical based and it's oversold. And, you know, just like in November, Jemiah, you know, went down significantly because it was just simply overbought. But when you look here and you take away all the, you know, the fun little stocks have been going up 100% every week and you look at where Apple is and you look where Amazon is and you look where Facebook is and you look where Google is and you're like, there's no, they're, they're, in these stocks, these, these stocks haven't even started a party. The big mega caps have not participated. Is that a concern or is it still to come? You know, that is what I don't have the answer to that question either. But I mean, just like I was saying, the stocks that are making me money in my long-term portfolio right now 
are the Fubos and the Jemayas. It's not Amazon because Amazon's gone nowhere for three months. Yet we still see Amazon, you know, firing on all cylinders. You see Facebook and you can say, okay, it's weighing on them, DOJ. But really, that, those concerns have always been there. So those stocks haven't even started a party. So I don't know. The Tesla party kind of ended on, obviously, when we it ended perfectly on the Friday night at 695. Uh, but, you know, has it just cooled off or has it ended? There's a lot of questions that we'll never have the answers to. But if I start seeing, you know, profit taking start coming across the board, spooked market, maybe a change. But I don't even know if if we haven't even, you know, seen the full extent of this party yet. What are your thoughts, Joel? I mean, you've done very well in your stocks like, you know, Peloton and, you know, some of these smaller names, some of the bounce back trades like Al Brands. And, you know, I, I don't want to own a lot of those reopening plays that have really run because I think, you know, those aren't, you know, growth stories. Those are survival stories in some cases. But what are your thoughts here? I mean, it isn't across the board that this market has been partying like 1999. Well, I don't think about it as much as you do or talk about it as much as you do. That's how I you hold that, better than me. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing uh, would be something geopolitical uh like a war and if something like that and they say wars are good for the economy but if china and russia start ganging up on us and there's bombs going off and everything and there's a war then i don't think that's going to be good for the market so barring a barring another world war um i'll stay nearly fully invested and I mean, we at one time, you know, weren't fully invested. You know, we've just been getting fully invested. I've really just got fully invested over the last, you know, since you know, mid late summer. I was obviously very, con- I kept thinking there was going to be, you know, we'll get to the fall. It's going to get ugly here again because the coronavirus is going to start spreading. But the day I started getting back on board was the day we got the Pfizer vaccine news. And it was actually three, four days later. Remember, I went full in and, you know, I was tweeting. I was taking major heat. But that's when I started buying stocks. And, you know, that's when I bought Norwegian and I bought a few other ones. But even these reopening plays, some of them have pulled back far enough now, like Norwegian even, that if you're so inclined to think that the Pfizer vaccine is, and I've had this talk, this is the same talk, I'm giving it again here a month and a half later. If you're so inclined to think the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine are going to work against the mutated virus, then this is the time to start jumping in these stocks. So NCLH, not Kohl's, not these ones that, because Kohl's was in, in tough shape before this. And it's went from 20 to 38 and hasn't pulled back a lick. But I look at NCLH, you look at Carnival Cruise Lines, you can look at some of the airlines. They started hitting these things again here too. I mean, LUV has been in consolidation station, hasn't went anywhere. It's probably best of breed. Um, Disney, I have said, and on this show, I believe Disney is a $200 stock. There's an analyst out there. I don't know if it's City or who it was today that said the same thing um, this morning. I saw it go by on the, on the pro. But, I mean, there is stocks here that, you know, yeah, Disney's up a long ways. But, you know, you just think about if we are going full reopening, is Disney not a lot higher? So the question is, do you believe we're actually going to get vaccinated and people are going to go back to their business as usual? Or is there going to be some terrible hiccups where, you know, obviously the biggest hiccup would be the vaccine doesn't work on the mutated virus, but, you know, allergic reactions, people are nervous not to take the thing. I mean, there is obviously concerns there, but if the majority of the population decides, no, I'm getting vaccinated. I mean, Lisa got vaccinated. um, You start seeing this, people start going back to their business as usual. 
I mean, that's got to be good for some of these reopening plays. Uh, you're getting a you're getting a nice pullback in some you know some of these airlines. They are it's giving adding, you a second chance. Yeah, yep. They're um, they're adding uh, workers with the the aid package when it goes through. Um, so you know, pick your spots here. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get you know back you know halfway back from the low of the move on a couple of these things. Uh, but well, what's Norwegian? You're almost there right now. Now from the very low of the move, but right, let's go back to the leg. low of the vaccine sure. news. So we'll take Norwegian. Let's do this quickly. NCLH, you're good at these fibs. 1861 up to 2898. I own Norwegian, full disclosure. So, you know, that's roughly, roughly a 10 point. Why are you move. picking that 18? Oh, why are you picking that 1861 from here? Yeah, because that's after we got the Pfizer vaccine news. That's when the game changed. The game yep. changed. The, the, the day, okay, the game changed. It wasn't It wasn't the Pfizer. It's the low of the move afterwards. It was the November 9th gap up was I see the you. Pfizer vaccine day. Vaccine so that's when we Monday. got the news. It's like, holy crap, the light at the end of the tunnel just got a lot brighter. And then we pulled back. And, you know, that was the day, November 9th, if you go to my Twitter account that I was pounding the table, or November 12th you know, three, four days later, because I wasn't buying the gap up. I was like, I even said that day, I was like, you'll get another chance. Four days later, you got another chance. And that's when I loaded all the reopening plays. Again, I sold a lot of them way too soon, but you come back in here and now you're like, okay, 50% of that move, you're getting in there on some of these stocks. So you're through it a little bit on Norwegian if you're doing it that way by look at your chart there. But yep, I mean, if you believe the vaccine is going to be a game changer, if you don't have to believe that, you can stay in your Pelotons and you can stay in your Zooms if you think we're going to be in the lockdown forever and people are never going to fly again and never go on vacation again. And, you know, I'm not of that belief. And I know Raz was on this, you know, a few weeks ago and he was saying the same thing I am. If we all, you know, start getting past this, people are going to want to do things because they've been cooped up for a year and they're itchy to get out there. So if the vaccine is the excuse to get them out there, then stocks like NCLH could benefit from that. So I wasn't didn't want to buy more at 29, but I kind of want to buy more at 23. So which is offered right now. So I don't I can't argue with you if you're jumping in these stocks now. Yeah, it's a little bit through the the 50 right now. Um, it's really closer to 24. But you know, maybe it take maybe take a couple stabs at it. You know, maybe you know if you you know if you feel good here, maybe you take it. You lean on that twenty two low. You can see if it takes out twenty two, you got to look at twenty. Um, I know you don't like doing halves, and you're already in it. But you know, it, it take a couple stabs and you know try and get it right. Uh, if you want to risk all the way down to eighteen fifty seven, that was the low. The sell off off the vaccine Monday. Uh, but just short term, when you see these kind of declines around a key fib level, you know, maybe you put a double bottom in, maybe a couple days it gets out. It doesn't look like it's going to get walloped today. Uh, so after you see moves like this, there's a digestion period and then, you know, the turn. So you got one low here at this area it coincides with that top. So uh, we're offered at $23 right now, quarter million shares have traded. And, you know, I think you take a stab here at 23. I don't know if I'd want to be holding this thing under 22, but a couple different ways to try it. You don't can't, don't always have to get it right the first time. And the technicals aren't always going to be perfect either. We're just looking, you know, I'm looking basically very long-term thinking here. Story changed with the vaccine. We had the, you know, the big run up in November and December in Norwegian. And a lot of these are reopening plays. And now you've had the pullback because people are doubting it. 
you know, I said, you know, a week ago, there was going to be some doubt and it's going to give you an opportunity to buy some of these stocks, you know, on a pullback. That's why I wasn't chasing any of these things. And now you're starting to get that pullback on certain stocks. This is a pure reopening play. And if the scenario, it's all scenarios, that's why I never go all in. You know, if the scenario arises and the vaccine doesn't work for whatever reason and the thing's mutating too fast that we may never get ahead of it and maybe it starts killing more people, I mean, that's a scenario where Norwegian's going to... The numbers are coming down, at least in Michigan. The numbers are coming well, you're, down. Because so the lockdowns help. We know the lockdowns work. I mean, you see these headlines, lockdowns don't work. It's nonsense. I mean, just complete nonsense. Because if you're not around... Every, it's just logic. If you're not around everybody, it's not going to spread. I mean, it's just, you know, like it's, you know, and you can say, oh, they don't work because it's certain people, some people not doing it. And that's just going to spread and it's just spread slower because of that. Lockdowns will flatten the curve. So if the goal is to flatten the curve, maybe eventually we all get it and we can't stop ourselves from getting it. But I'm telling you, if the vaccine comes, the vaccine's effective. It's like we're, you know, in the seventh or eighth inning here now, because I mean, your wife is vaccinated, Joel. So, you know, theoretically here, she has a very low probability of, of getting this once she gets that second shot, right? Yep. So yep. once Another you get that second weeks. shot, you know, they're telling us that she's got, she can take more chances all of a sudden, you know, which is good. You want your doctors to be able to take more chances, but are you lined up when you can get the vaccine? Do you have any like, no, not yet. Yeah. No, not yet. Not yet. Um, waiting. But, I think we talked about it yesterday. I can't remember. I can't remember what she said, but uh, you know, doing the priorities, the healthcare workers, your grocery store workers, uh, frontline you know, obviously the people that, that need it the most are getting it and then uh, the higher risk people. So, uh, I mean, but the rollout so far, uh, it's been pretty, um, pretty, pretty good and pretty accurate to what the projections they had. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just painting a scenario and trying to tell you stocks like you're, everybody's jumping into the stuff that's going up 50% a week. That is unsustainable. But could you see a scenario where NCLH is a $40 stock? You know, if you're, if you're, if you're not after the fast money, it's not going to turn around and be there tomorrow. But could you see a scenario where, say, you know, maybe we get to April, May, where Norwegian all of a sudden went from 23 to 40? That's a pretty darn good return. I can see that scenario. I can also see the scenario where it doesn't go anywhere. But that scenario, I think, I think we're going to have a lot more information. If all of a sudden, like I said, that vaccine doesn't work against a mutated strain, that's when I would get the hell out of all these stocks. But I don't think that's the case. And AstraZeneca said it last night that they believe that their virus will work on the mutated strains. So there you go. So, I mean, that gives you more confidence to start to come into some of these stocks. But if you're looking for stocks that aren't partying yet, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of stocks that haven't drank the punch yet. I wanted to jump in on that because for, for 10 years, a group of five or so companies accounted for a disproportionate amount of the market's gains, right? Yes. Uh, the, the Fang stocks or, or FamGuth, Microsoft, whatever you want to call them. Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Netflix, right? That group now collectively has basically done nothing for the last, I don't know, four months or so, mm-hmm. give or take. Is this the time now? To, yeah. To I mean, those, those those five stocks owned the market for a decade, and they've gone nowhere for a few months. While we've all moved on to to the Fubos and 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 the and Tesla, I guess uh, the Neos of the world and the Spacs of the world. Yeah. Is now the time to come back to the market's bread and butter for the last decade and come? I think back, so. Come back to the mega caps. I, I think so. I think there's. I think it's safer. Um, you're not going to make, like if people are getting accustomed to making 20% a week, you're never going to make it in these stocks. They're not going to do it. These are just safer. 
growth story plays. Now, again, you, know, you can say Apple's overdone too because it was $60 back in March and you know it's 130. So it's you know more than doubled off of the lows, but you're not paying 100 times sales for Apple. You're paying 30 times earnings. And you've got now, you know, and people are really giving it. I cannot believe what Guy Adami said on CNBC last night. And I completely, Guy, we know, we love you, completely disagree with what he said. He thought that Apple should have went down on the Tesla car news that or that, that that they were getting into EV. He thought they should have went down the Tesla news on the EV news from two days ago when they popped up Apple six, seven bucks. He thought it should go down on that news. And I'm like, why? I don't get that, you know, because they're not in that business. So they don't know what they're doing. I mean, Apple figures stuff out. They have been working behind the scenes on this Apple car. It isn't like they just, oh, maybe we should get into cars. They've been working for years on this. They do things right. I mean, this is a complete, this is what, this is what mega caps have to do to grow. They cannot continue. You're at a two, you know, look at the valuation of light. What is Apple's valuation now? I don't even know where it's at. Is it over two? It's over two, right? Do we have an Apple? It's a, is Apple the most valuable company in the world? Yeah. Uh, I have a number one. Yep. Was it 2.2? Something like that. Billion? So, yeah, yeah, billion. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> what's, no, no. What's a billion just... dollars anymore? So two point. <laughs> so, anyways, go two point two trillion dollars. How do you grow a company like that? You can't. You know, you've got to keep expanding into other businesses. So, how Amazon has grown? They've expanded in this, into this, into this, into this, because it's the only way. You just got to take over everything. Well, the EV market is hot as hell, and you're going to come in and all of a sudden, you know, be a major player. And if you think Apple's not going to be able to figure it out, there's a lot of smart people at Apple. I will bet on Tim Cook. I will bet on Apple every single time. And I think they will be a major player here. So I think it's, you know, boom. All of a sudden, we have a potential another revenue stream. I mean, you could have said the same thing back in 2007, 2008, when Apple started iTunes. Remember iTunes? And everybody says, who in the hell is going to pay a 99 cents for a song that they can download for free on the internet. Yeah. Who's going to do that? That was the argument back in 2005 or 2006. And it was like, why is Apple getting into this? You know, Apple's into Macs. They're doing other things. This is totally out of their wheelhouse. And people were selling Apple because they thought that this was just stupid, that they would have 99 cents. Everybody started buying those. And then you know what the iTunes led to? The iPhone. And we obviously blasted off, and now it's 50% of the revenue stream. It's a cash cow for them. It's the thing that powers the company. And there's going to be new ideas, new generations. I, can you imagine a fully autonomous Apple iCar? I mean, that would sell. That will sell. So I think it's a fabulous idea. I'm actually surprised the stock didn't go up more on it. So I, sorry, guy, Dommy, completely on the opposite side of this trade. I believe that. This is how mega caps have to grow. They have to expand in other businesses. EV market hot. Great idea for Apple. You know, it, yeah, it's a long ways away at 2024. There's a lot of things that could happen. Maybe they start getting into it and it's too hard and they bail. We don't know. But I tell you, we've, we've known about this for a long time. We've talked about it on the show years ago. Apple is going to get into this eventually and they're going to be a major player. So I gave I you like a number Apple. yesterday, just uh, looking at Apple. Uh, technically, uh, you did have that fluff high uh, the day after the split, uh, but one thirty four eighteen was uh, the all time closing high on the day prior to making the all time high. You got to one thirty four forty yesterday and rolled over a little bit, but uh, if you're looking to get back up to that all time high 
uh, you know, on the price. Uh, clear, clear that one th- 134.18, 134.40. A lot of times Apple takes, you know, one or two times to uh, to get by a, a level. But uh, that's one to keep an eye on. Uh, over the next couple of days, currently trading up 56 cents at uh, 132.44. Right, we're going to have Craig Johnson from Piper Jaffrey, uh, Piper Sandler, excuse me, Piper Sandler on in uh, seven uh, or eight minutes. Now, let's get to some movers of the morning. Sure. Can we talk Nikola here for a second? Because it is uh, falling through the floor a little bit. They had a uh, PR this morning. They discontinued their Ooh. collaboration with uh, what's the name of the company? Um, uh, Re- Republic Services on, uh, I guess I guess they're working together on, on garbage trucks, but they're not anymore. So that this was the, the bad uh, EV story. There's going to be many more bad EV stories. Come, come. <clears throat> getting choked up talking about Nikola, but uh, there's <laughs> going to be more bad stories coming uh, in the EV sector. Nikola is one of the bad stories. Does Nikola eventually rebound? It did. I mean, we played it to a certain extent. You know, I actually had it pretty good. And then they came out with the GM news and it was no equity stake and they've hammered it ever since. And they're like, wow. what is the catalyst to drive this higher? Um, it's hated in the EV world. You've seen EV firing on all cylinders and Nikola has no cylinders. And we know that because they have to push the car down the hill. <laughs> so I, I set myself up for the softball there. So I don't know how this story turns around. You could say, oh, it's $15. Is it cheap? It was never cheap. It's probably not cheap at 10. It's probably not cheap at five. It's a concept. So how do you even, you can't use fundamentals to value it and the Momo guys hate it. So that's a recipe until we start to get more clarity on that it's not a concept anymore and they have a real product. I'm staying away. You know, why do I own Fisker and not Nikola? Because, you know, Fisker is a different, completely different story. They've got contracts with Magna. They're going to produce cars. It's, con- it's not a concept anymore. They're actually got the contracts in place to actually start producing. You'll see Fiskers on the road in probably less than two years. So that's so much further along. That's why I like FSR and I have a, a large position in that because I'm, I'm picking you know my EV plays. But there's a lot of these EV plays, probably more than half, that are going to you know potentially, eventually, you know maybe not even exist. So I, 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 I'm not betting on Nikola. Uh, pushing a garbage truck. Now that would really take a Herculean feat, right? A normal truck, but pushing a garbage truck. Oh boy. What can you say? Someone has just got their foot on the accelerator trading at the lows of the pre-market session. We are even through this low here that you had in September. Uh, 1615. Uh, we're through that. Looks like that's resistance right now. Uh, so if it gets above 1615, that was the old low of the move. You might get a little pop right now. You got to look at that as resistance. And then on the monthlies, I don't know, 1273 was uh, the monthly low back in May. I don't know if you're uh, you're looking at that, but and we've talked about this before. If these things, if these specs are duds then do they go to 10 or they go to, you know, do they go to zero? I guess that would be another thing would be, you know, if all these specs start going back towards 10 and they go less than 10, then I think that could be a little bit of a, 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 a spook on the market. But you know, I've got, right now, okay, so I, I don't think that matters in the case of Nikola because it's already a company. What I was saying with the 10, it's pre-merger. So the 10 has been a floor for a lot of these 
blank Dream check companies because the way the blank check companies work to my Spencer, you can clarify because I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert on blank check companies, but to my understanding is that if they don't get a deal after so long, you get your money back. Do you not? Yeah. Two years. Yep. So what there you go. So the that's deal. why I'm saying the 10 Joel, you're, you're putting your money in at 10 bucks. If they don't get a deal, eventually you get your 10 bucks back or a, a fraction of that. Maybe there's but, a, a haircut you, on it. But you need to understand that that's not the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is that they overpay for a crappy company. That's your worst case scenario. And so you need and to- maybe they punish it on that merger day. Like I own a, a bunch of these blank check companies that don't have any deals yet because I've just been seeing that it seems like they kind of floor out, you know, around the $10 area and eventually they might announce a deal that the market likes and they get, you know, we've some, seen some of these stocks pop up hundred percent on the day that they get a deal announced. So I'm like, okay, well, they don't get a deal. I get my money back. They do get a deal. In more cases than not, they get a pop on it. Maybe in some cases, maybe the, the game's going to change in the new year. Maybe they're going to hate all these companies and maybe they're going to start punishing them on deals that they don't like, but I haven't seen anything like that yet. So I don't have any reason. Reference. To think, yeah. So until I start seeing that happen, I'm not that nervous with that trade. So, and like I said, I'm picking Starboard. I'm picking Pershing Square. I'm picking, you know, um, there's Apollo out there. You know, you have some, you know. Established ed- companies. So, some, yeah, some major funds that know what the hell they're doing that have these SPACs. And PSTH is trading with a little bit, bit of premium now. But like I've said, the Starboard one, SVAC, is not trading with much of a premium at all. I mean, it's 1088 now. It's, I mean, it, it keeps coming back down to that 10 area. You look at the chart. I mean, you can keep getting this at 1020, 1025, 1030. And I, I just bet on Starboard. So I'm making a bet on the management team. Is Am I going to lose all my money betting on Starboard? I mean, they announced, I trade the SEC, you know, the SEC filings. When Starboard announces a position in something, it doesn't even matter it what moves. it is. A stock, it's a pop. Yeah, sometimes 5%. This is their bloody SPAC. Do you think they're going to do a bad deal? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, I'm, but understand that that's possible. Under- it's possible. Yeah. I don't know, and maybe a mission was. I don't know. I cannot remember uh, or haven't seen an example of a spec that actually went the full two years. Some specs also have a year and a half deadline. I have never seen one go to the deadline and not do a deal and give investors their money back. I what I have seen is companies wait to the last minute and buy a company right before the gun. That maybe they they paid a, a, a maybe they price yeah. and then you have and that's what can happen. So you need to understand that that getting your money back after two years is is not likely. What's more likely is that they buy a crappy company for it for uh, more than they should have paid for it. That's more likely to happen than you get your money back. So that's that's the that's other- the risk. Yeah, There's also the risk that the the market just turns towards packs, turns south to them, yeah, and they they punish them all all together. And they start hammering these stuff through 10. I mean, that's a possibility. I don't see that happening yet. So that's why I feel like I'm kind of safe here right now. I feel like actually these are some safer bets and nothing is safe. Anything could go to zero. Something can happen, you know, I don't know, like, you know, but it's possible. And we know nothing is guaranteed in the markets. All I'm doing is making educated bets. That's all stock trading is, making educated bets across the board. From what I can see, a lot of these SPACs like Starboard and stuff, I don't see a hell of a lot of downside. And I see, you know, the potential for a good deal to come in with a pop, you know, and I will I sell it the day of the merger? I might. I might sell it the day they announce it. 
you know, and I don't know what day that's going to be, but maybe they announce that, you know, in three months and, and maybe it's a good deal and it goes up to 15 or 16. I'll probably ring the register. Maybe it's a bad deal and, and it goes down, like Spencer says, but we haven't seen a lot of precedents for that. So until I start seeing that happening, I'm probably not going to get nervous. Have we seen any earnings positions. reports out of any of these companies that turn from a SPAC into a stock? Yeah, it like would... we've seen like DraftKings and Virgin Galactic. We... Oh, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, DraftKings has, has done well. Uh, Nicola, just slipping under $15 here. You got someone just yakking out a lot of stock here. Maybe you will see that 1273 today, but they're just slamming bids here. Uh, just no let up here in NKLA. What is the headline today? Uh, they lost a contractor. They're not going to be working with uh, the garbage truck company, Republic yeah. Services. Never good headlines coming from. All right, let's bring on our guest, Craig Johnson, managing director uh, in technical markets, Rags the Piper Sandler. Craig, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? We are hanging in there, hanging in there. What are you seeing out there? We're, we're just about at all-time highs. It's the same story every day. What Craig, your fan favorite here. <laughs> just want you to know, uh, if we had a guest of the year, it might be you. Was it March? or Do we have him out in March or April? Every time he's come out, he's been bullish, and it's been right. <laughs> yeah. Craig's but been wait, right. You want to know, everyone asks me when I'm going to get bearish. When Craig, you know when I'm going to get bearish? Yeah. When Craig Johnson gets bearish. That's when I'm going to get bearish. I hope it's not today. So, guys, before we talk about the big picture of the market, can I talk SPACs for a second? Can I say that? that? We've been talking for 20 minutes. Give me your thoughts. Okay, I'm going to share a screen with you guys. Tell me if you can see this, all right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but can you zoom in? uh, Yeah, I can zoom in. Plus button, yeah. How's that? Yeah, a little better. That's good. So, you know, with the work we've done here at Piper Sandler for a long time, we, we keep track of all these industry groups. So we got over 400 industry groups. One of the ones that I've got is special purpose acquisition corps groups, right? And I just want to have people really understand what has been the long-term trend going all the way back to 19, sorry, 2005 when I started creating this group. The trend has clearly been lower. Also note when you've had your best relative performance and strength in some of these groups, right? They were the best strength as you sort of came up into some of these sort of tops and some of these other periods. You got a huge move in these SPACs. I appreciate we're making educated, you know, bets with a lot of these SPACs, but I'm not touching them personally. You wouldn't touch anything. You wouldn't touch a starboard SPAC pre-merger. I wouldn't touch a SPAC at this point in time. I think there's too many other great companies, too many other great momentum names to go play. And honestly, when I have seen SPACs really work, it's been more at the end of an advance in the market versus the early days um, from from my perspective. And um, this is just not a space that I'm going to get that excited about and lead a lot of the institutional investors into at this point. What what does that mean for the overall market then? Because you you just said that, you know, this usually when these SPACs get hot, it's the end of the market advance. So the SPACs are as hot as they've been in a long time. Does that mean we're coming in towards the end of this market advance? Well, this is where I come into the big picture here. And I talk about hope versus reality. Okay. And this has been an amazing advance coming off of these March lows. And let me zoom into this so you can see this. But every one of your listeners should understand this. The rally off the March lows has been phenomenal. How phenomenal? 65% in 180 trading days. The only other period that has been comparable was coming out of the Great Depression low in 
33. When you went a uh, uh, sort of a rise over run rate of 85% over 180 day period of time. Okay, this is where I look at this market. We put a lot of good news into this. But, you know, Joel, if you want to hear me being a little bit nervous, I'm nervous here in the short term. Let me tell you why I'm nervous. I got a 42-25 year-end objective, but this year is probably going to look like a horseshoe, something along those lines, because the setup right now, I've got AAAII numbers at extreme readings. I've also have got the put-call ratio at extreme historical readings at this point in time. I'd also make the observation that we've been trading at a 17% premium above our 200-day moving average on the S&P 500. And since 1928, we've only done that 3.5% of all trading days. So if I come back and I show you a nice graphical example of this, take a look at this chart right here. Hey, Craig, grab your screen back. I, I, I took it off for a second. Okay. Take a look at this uh, chart right here. I assume you can see that now? Yep, what do you got? So what I wanted to show you is when I go back and I look through history, whenever we've sort of traded this far above a 200-day moving average on the S&P 500, we haven't been there for very long. And we've rarely traded 20% above our 200-day moving average. Guys, there is no question this was an absolutely amazing breath thrust off the lows. Probably the fifth best breath thrust that I have seen and the reason why we were so bullish in March and why we thought we'd ultimately trade back above this sort of 90% participation rate with all of the internal data and stuff that we've been calculating here at Piper. Okay. But we've done that already. And we've had this awesome advance, but all the sentiment indicators that we look at are all stretched. And again, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, party's rocking and rolling. And I'm like, Hey, could you turn down the music? But the reality is when you start putting the mosaic of all these pictures together, huge advance, sentiment levels well ahead of themselves. And let me also, and also well above your S&P 500 uh, historical, above your 200-day moving average, if we also take this and go back to the Russell, in the history of the Russell Index since 1979, we have never been further above a 200-day moving average than we are right now. The last two times we were there, that was in 1983, before a 25% correction. And then also on March 9th of 2000, that date rings a bell to anybody. So what I'm saying is the party's rocking. Everything's going great. People are buying SPACs, which are more speculative. And we're seeing a lot of anecdotal evidence of people you know, going out and telling me what I should be buying with, uh, with stocks at this point in time, whenever you show up at... Uh, a local store or a fitness club or anything else. So when the, when the advice starts flipping the other way around, I start getting kind of nervous and I'm kind of there, Joel, to be honest. Okay. All right. Craig Johnson, managing director, technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. Uh, just going back to that last graph that you have up here um, with the yellows. I mean, so, and I'm looking at the time period here. So we could stay at this level you know, for quite some time from your work and your studies, how long, you know, what's the typical period that you stay at these extended extremes before you get an actual turn in the market? So in terms of market breadth, you can be there. Uh, a median is 5.5 weeks. The average has been 11. You're around seven and change weeks now. But the point I want to make to everybody is look at these sort of corrections. If I look back, to the last four sort of major breath thrusts since 87. 
three out of the four have been reconciled in some sort of price correction. One was reconciled in terms of time. So if I have to be the betting individual for all of you and everybody here on the show this morning is, I would think that we're going to sort of get through the rest of this year. Probably not a lot of volatility right now, but then hope versus reality starts to set in. I mean, we've baked in a lot of good news about the reopening, the coronavirus, everything else. But I think you're going to have an interesting start to 2021. And I just remind people that in a new presidential cycle, which is starting in January, typically January is flat. February is the weakest month of the year. So I'm expecting some further volatility ahead. And I got to tell you, from talking to a lot of uh, portfolio managers around the world, since this last publication came out, pretty much everybody's like, yeah, you know, I just don't want to do anything from here to year end. So I think it's going to be interesting. And then I want to remind people that 1933 was a great advance. 34, really tough start to the year. And I'm sort of looking at how overextended we are right now and saying we can get to 42.25 by year end, but we're not going to get there in a straight line. We are going to see some backing and filling and some sort of retracement of some of this advance. And that's where I think the hope versus reality starts to come into play. All right. Uh, just along the lines, I mean, at, at Piper, you guys have um, a lot of different um, clients, right? You have your institutional clients. You probably um, have some wealthy uh, individuals or individual families. How is it important for people to, you know, look at the market advances and where it's at from a from an age perspective? Like someone like, and I talk about this a lot, someone like Spencer, you know, a young buck, you know, still many years to invest in the market, me a little bit older. How, how much do you stress people looking at their time horizons when investing in the market or taking some chips off the table? Yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple of different parts of that. And before I go into that specific question, I just want to also throw it in terms of age. The younger people that I've been chatting with, uh, whether they're analysts here at the firm or whether they're younger analysts uh, at buy side firms or hedge funds or anywhere else, you know, those folks, they're really, really bullish. Okay. But when I talk to people that have been in the business for 20, 30, in some cases, 40 years, those people, they're extremely nervous. They've seen these cycles. They've seen these ups and downs. They've seen the mosaic of all these pieces coming together. And they're like, yeah, we're really due for a correction in here. But a lot of the younger folks just want to keep that bull train moving. Now, in terms of your investment time horizons question, um, look, I mean, if you've got retirement money and those kind of things, people should just sort of, you know, take an approach, balance approach, stay long term with it and uh, have your trading money as a separate uh, component, but have your longer term retirement money just sort of in the market and there and participate. Um, that's what I think the average person should end up doing because they're not going to spend as much time as all of us here focusing on all the different trends and themes and uh, things that are unfolding in the marketplace. That's so, the so, Craig, job. so Craig, uh, for anybody that has just entered the market this year and has started trading and has had success and has made some money trading, um, we've obviously seen uh, deluges of retail and traders coming into the market previously, right? Dot-com bubble, for example. Uh, a lot of them make money. A lot of them lose money. Um, and hopefully some of them learn that 
long-term investing is is a better way to go and hopefully some of them don't get burned too badly that being said do you think the influx of of retail money is, is that is that a net positive or a net negative in a way because you 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 would hope that some of them would would learn after getting burned that long-term investing is is the best way to to grow your net worth over time rather than trading um so do you think that it's like a net positive or a net negative I, I think investors have a short memory, okay? There's always new investors coming in, new students coming out of school and those kind of things. But I think getting more people involved in the market is, is a positive thing, ultimately. You know, people need to save for retirement, they need to take care of themselves, and they need to put money aside. It can't all just be handled by, you know, a government uh, pension plan or, or a government uh, social security from that perspective. But I will tell you this, I am seeing people like my 19-year-old son, you know, active trading cryptocurrencies, right? And he's making more money there than his job at Chipotle right now. So, you know, he's got to try to keep his expectations in check. You know, I've been running into other people that tell me how easy it is to go trade money and how they got grand illusions of, you know, perhaps quitting their jobs and, you know, doing this full time. I've had conversations with Uber drivers that are day trading futures and these kind of things. So again, I just would hope that people can put this all into check and realize that they've got to control their emotions and, and those things and put into perspective how much do they want to put into the market at any given point in time. But again, keep the bulk of it sort of focus on the longer term retirement objectives or other financial objectives that, that, uh, that, that they would have, whether that's college education or a house or any of those kind of things. And you know what? Also remember, it never hurts to take a profit. You're never going to go broke taking a profit. So if you got a decent profit in something, consider taking some of it off the table or at least your original money. Okay, two-part question here, and then we'll let you go. Um, at what level, and this is basis the S&P 500, at what level would you say the market will be overvalued as much as it was undervalued at 2,200? Uh, so you're, you're pretty much there. I mean, if I look at the chart that I put here on the screen for you, and this is something we just published in our monthly book, um, I would just tell you that I see that it could trade up towards, say, 38.50, which is kind of the measured objective you have with this triangle. Um, the Fibonacci extension could take you to about 3,900. I look at where we are right now, and I would say you got 3% upside and 25% downside in the short term. And then the final question, uh, where, where would be a level, you know, where, I mean, because obviously, you know, selling into this rally, trying to pick a top, you're getting constantly run over. As you know, momentum trading can work better. Where, where would be a point on the downside basis, the S&P 500, where you would say, wow, we, we cracked that level. We don't regain that level. And, you know, we're going to be in for a little bit more of a, a, some downside action. I think the real big level that we need to be watching is uh, in the in the short term. And let me just transition to a different chart. Sure. In the short term, if we break this little level right here, okay. Wait, this is sort I'm of right, grab your charts again. I I took your charts off just to get get our faces for some variety. There we go. Yeah. So you know, this I just I literally just published this like ten minutes ago. So talking about fresh content, right? Okay. But look at this uptrend support line in here. You know, this is going to come into play around 36, uh, 45. 
is where it kind of the lower end of this channel comes into play. Then you got your 50 day at 35.55, right? So you start breaking some of these levels right in there. And I think you're going to increase the odds of coming all the way back down to about 3,200, which would be painful. But here's the thing, you know, all the shorter term traders pay real solid attention to this point. We're not making a larger number of 52-week highs in here on the S&P 500. We made a huge number here on this thrust up, but we're not making a huge number now. I've always thought with our work that coming off the lows, when the breath readings basically get to zero, which we got to back in March, that's a great time to get into the market. But when you get toward tops and exit points and you see the market going up, momentum divergences like you're seeing right now with MACD, and a fewer number of 52-week new highs or even 26-week new highs, lack of those to me suggests that we're getting to that point, Joel, where we need to be more nervous about this market, at least in the short to intermediate term. And again, hope versus reality. If we think that this vaccine rollout is going to go absolutely perfect and everybody's going to be out dancing, partying again by the time you get to March or to uh, St. Patrick's Day, I think that's overly optimistic, in my opinion. Are you ready for a Piper Sandler trivia question? Please. <laughs> okay. What? Do you know, uh, and the reason that I've had great guests like you, Gene Munster, Mike Olson, a few other Piper analysts, is because of uh, my buddy, Jeff Sanifer, yeah. uh, who's yeah. worked there for a while. Do you know what his nickname was at Oldie Discount? Um, I do not, but... Jeff is my neighbor, to be fair, and I do spend a lot of time with him at the baseball fields and the hockey rinks. So, this is a good one. I need to know. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know if he's listening or not. Opie, that yes, I didn't know if it was the same at Oldie as it is here, but that is definitely. His and they call him Opie there too. They call him Opie here too. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's, it's let's, the see same. let's see if he's online today, and he is. I'll tell him how famous he is, and he was just on the radio here. Yeah, and I just really appreciate him and all the people at Piper. You guys have just been absolutely amazing. Gene Munster, you guys give us great information. We just really appreciate having you on and uh, looking forward to uh, further chats with you. Thanks Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot, Craig Johnson, uh, once again, uh, managing partner and technical market strategist at Piper Sandler. Craig, uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You too. Just a, one other quick thing about uh, Opie. When I worked with him on the uh, on the oldie desk, you know, mm-hmm. we'd be. I mean, you were trading a lot of stocks, right? And the news that we had was this called Bridge Service, and it, it was okay. But definitely, the people with the free accounts picking us off—they had better news than us. But he would be in a stock, and it would start to know. It would start to move, and he'd be like, "News!" He'd be like, "There's news on this stock." News and then he like he have his assistant hit the refresh button. News, 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 news. So when I see like moves in the market and I see a move in a stock or something like that, and I'm like news, news. That's that's the origin of it. And uh, Dennis, you you know that term from uh, when we're when we were uh, the, the the bright trading days. And yeah. news is what you've made your uh, you know your transition in your career trading yeah. the news. I mean, so. as a market maker, and this is you know a great you know oldie market making firm. And at Bright Trading, we you know, were all market makers basically back in the day as well, capturing spreads. You know, I ran algorithmic market making system for years. News was your enemy. 
news was the thing that run you over because you're trying to pick up your nickels, 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 and then boom, news comes out and it's like, and you get run over. And then you're like, okay, well, what the hell's the headline? And you're scrambling <laughs> around, you know, and trying to like, okay, well, there it is, you know, because there's always somebody faster on the headline. But I mean, it's funny. I've transitioned fully because I am that news trader. Now. <laughs> I'm the person that's trying to pick off the market maker on the news. So it's all changed, you know, and went full circle for me. I went from hating the news to loving the news. And obviously, you know, that's a you know different story altogether. But um, it just it, this is what, you know, it, it's there's a lot of different, you know, when you when you look, you know, and, and if you're new to the markets, you know, the landscape of the markets you know, just trying to understand the intermechanics. You got your market makers that are doing the most of your volume. A lot of those are off exchange market makers. And don't kid yourself, they're pretty in tune now. So it's not like, oh yeah, we'll go pick off the stale market maker, you know, because the, the market makers now are, are locked into the Bloombergs and the Benzingas and, you know, all, and the, you know, every single news source that's out there. So they're pulling their bids usually, you know, before, you know, they're, they're the fastest on that too. So it's like perfect systems that they've got going. It's no coincidence that, you know, Citadel continues to make the kind of money that they do because the systems that they have, you know, obviously they don't talk about them, but you can just imagine are very, are much more sophisticated than what we were trying to run back in the day, Joel, you know, when you're like, Hey, there's news on this. What's the news? <laughs> Your major market makers know the news before the majority of other people know. The oh, news, that's so. for sure. It's right, changed a lot. Craig Johnson, reality check for all of us. That was an excellent piece. We respect Craig's opinion. Um, and, you know, I would say a, a lot of the same stuff that he says, you know, yeah, we're overinflated. Yeah, we're overextended. I don't know where we are in, you know, and, and you made a great point, Joel, with Craig just saying, you know, okay, yeah, we're up here, but how long can this last? And he says, well, we're seven weeks into it. It's typically five to 12 weeks. You know, it's still impossible to call when everything tops out. Um it isn't the story for all stocks though. And that's what I'm just still trying to say Good is there, point. you know, maybe it's a time to rotate from the leaders to the laggards, typically your January effect. So the times when, you know, you see rotation from leaders to laggards is January. I call the January effect, the movement from the leaders to the laggards is you have tax loss selling coming in towards the end of the year. They, that nails down the laggards even more. And then you have a relief trade coming into January as you no longer have that pressure from the tax loss selling. You also have window dressing coming into the end of the year where people want to buy the leaders. So what you see is usually the moves exaggerate in towards the end of the year and then completely reverse themselves in the first week of January. This has been the most simplistic market for the last little while. Just like Tesla top ticking on the index inclusion makes me think that that, that effect might you know work as well too. So I would be very cautious coming in towards, you know, if you're in these things, maybe you start locking in the gains now, like Craig is saying. But, you know, maybe we got another four, three, four days. Do you want to stick around for the last three, four days? Maybe not. I'd like to stick around for the last three, four days because I'd like to actually get to January 1st where I could lock in some of these gains and not pay tax for another year. But, again, trying to, you know, just delay your tax bill is sometimes a bad strategy if your stocks start to implode before then. But I do think you could see this movement change from leaders to laggards and laggards to leaders in the first week of January. And that's only a week away here now. So maybe starting to position for that isn't a bad idea. All right, we're going to have our next guest on, uh, Jeff Lambert, in a couple minutes. Before we do that, I want to do a couple of things from the chat, and they're related. Uh, so I so saw a few people ask us about OCGN, and someone else asked about OCG. Let's go to OCG. I want to pull this chart up. Um, and this is a good, I think, opportunity to, uh, Joel, if you can pull, uh, pull it up, a uh, good opportunity to, to, to explain what you guys look for in. Uh, that's not OCGN. 
Let's not talk. No, no, about no, that. no. OCG, OCG. Oh. Okay. So, uh, and and the reason I want to bring this one up is because you can can you explain what you look for? Uh, I know you avoid these high flyers, but every once in a while, I know Dennis Devils. What yeah. you look for in the topping event in a stock in a high flyer. So OCG, for example, went from five to twenty five uh, last week, right? In, in one day. And now it's back at five. It's a hard one to call on these penny stocks because those can top anytime, but it's a great question you're asking, you know, and if I, you know, maybe this isn't the example stock, but you know, what I look for in the topping event is, you know, that upside capitulation where just everybody is talking about it now, you know, Chris Camilo was on our show, same thing, you know, when it starts showing up, when you have a stock and FUBO, we have been talking about FUBO on this show. So this may be a better example. We've been talking about FUBO on this show for a month and i we've liked the story you know we've 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 liked you know that you know i i thought you know and, and obviously wedbush is on and there's other analysts on it now but now they're talking about on cnbc every day so is it like getting towards the late stages probably is the story over i don't think the story is over but man stocks just don't go up 50 percent in two days and don't have some type of a correction you're getting a little bit of a, that correction at this point full disclosure i still have a small piece in fubo but we know i've been selling as it's been going up here because it's just been, you know, a ridiculous mover and it's way overextended. But I, I, t- I tend to look, if you're looking at individual stocks, when everybody starts talking about it, and this doesn't work with an OCG because nobody's talking about that. But when you're, you're in some stock and, you know, you like the story and you've done your research and you found it, it starts going up, up, up. And then all of a sudden, everybody is talking about it. That's my sign that maybe I want to start lightening up. And, you know, and Craig Johnson just on the show, similar stuff he was talking about when his Uber drivers talking about, you know, day trading crypto and his kids day trading crypto. I mean, you know, these are typically, you know, more events that happen near the top than 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 not. So, I mean, those are red flags. So using, you know, mainstream media and obviously Chris Camilo will throw his name out there again from dumb money uses this in Twitter as well. When he starts, you know, he reads that content, you know, and, he, and obviously when everybody starts talking about it, you know, that's when the stock itself, not talking about the concept, but the stock, yep. you know, it's like, oh, this thing's up three, four hundred percent. You got to get in this one. It keeps going. I mean, that's where you start to see, you know, the potential topping event. Um, Real quick comment on this one, and then I, I got to hop. But if you were trading it on that day and you were, you know, trading it on the long side, you know, I would have just been keeping track of that mid range on the day and that's something. But uh, I got to hop. Spencer's got that other yeah. guest. Uh, I'll be back with you guys at uh, 3 right. Our next guest, this is super interesting. He's got a great idea, I think, for a company. He wanted to have him on. His name is Jeff Lambert. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Ticker. Uh, and I think it's a pretty obvious idea in hindsight. The idea of this company is if you are a shareholder of a company, why not also get rewarded in the form of discounts and other perks that, uh, that, uh, that all consumers usually get? So Jeff Lambert, good morning. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Hey, good morning. Really appreciate you guys having me on. All right, explain the concept of this company because I think it's a really good idea. You're basically saying, hey, if you own a stock, you should also get benefits. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't invent the idea of stock perks have been around for a long right. time, but with online trading, uh, it's really difficult to verify. And so a lot of these old stock perks went away. Uh, and so yep. we're really bringing that back with ticker and ticker with two eyes for individual investor. And it's for that individual investor to say, hey, I should, I should be rewarded for my loyalty. I should be able to get perks of, of ownership. Uh, and companies want that too. They would like to be able to offer this to their individual investors. They just haven't been able to invest. 
So can you explain how it works exactly? Sure. Uh, so you come to ticker.com or our iOS app, uh, download it. You link any brokerage account. So Ameritrade, Robinhood, uh, any, any of the major platforms link, and it'll show your ownership. Uh, and then you'll pop up and see what, uh, what stocks you qualify that have perks. From a company side, they want to reach those individual investors and offer them a discount or reward uh, forward uh, the XFC, uh, New Ultimate Fighting Championships, uh, Carnival Cruises when they come back online. These are all companies that have perks today and more are adding every week. Uh, and that's really to say, now that you can verify ownership, we at Ticker can verify ownership. Why wouldn't we want to, to reward people? So is, is it a case of like the more shares of a company you own, the more perks and rewards you can get? Or if I own like five shares, is that the same as owning a thousand shares? Yeah, it depends on the it depends on the perks. So Wolverine Worldwide, which you'd know for Merrill or Hush Puppies or, yeah. or Keds, uh, their perk is one share. Uh, one share and you get 30% off any of their products. Whereas Ford, you need to own 100 shares, but that discount, that friends and neighbors discount is a whole lot more valuable. Uh, and so again, it's a number of shares. It's sometimes a window of, of time that you own the shares, but those are really important with, with free trading. It's not something that uh, you want to incentivize people to just buy the stock and then get the perk. These are for longtime investors. And again, 130 million of them, according to a Harris poll recently done, 130 million people own individual stocks, not in their 401k, not in mutual funds, individual stock ownership, $10.6 trillion. So it's a huge market. It's a huge consumer market. So that's a good point. So I guess it doesn't extend to fund ownership, right? If I own like the SPY, I don't get yeah, it does not because any, again, everyone who owns the fund then would uh, technically qualify. Fair enough. Can you explain that that uh, the the verification process? Because you explained that was that was the problem before. So explain how the, how that works. Yeah. So you, so anyone who owns it in their online stock brokerage account, uh, you own any any stock, uh, you are in street name, and so that's going to be invisible to the public company. They don't know that you actually own the stock, and so they can't verify it. Right. Uh, and so to verify that stock owner, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a manual process that takes weeks uh, and it's still not, it's not uh, uh, consistent. And so we could do it in seconds uh, and verifying it is saying, yes, you indeed are a shareholder. We would love to give you a discount or award, special access, VIP treatment because you're an owner, just like in any other, uh, any other industry, any other area, when you're owners, there are perks of ownership. And so we want to bring that very basic concept to fruition. So theoretically, you could like rock up to like Disney World and be like, hey, I own a thousand shares of Disney. What can you do for me? Right. Disney's like, a great example. So Disney has a perk. They've had stock perks for decades, but it used to be uh, discounts on their parks and discounts at their stores. But right. because of the online uh, brokerage uh, acceleration, they can't verify it, so they, they did away with all those, and now, now all they have, again, it's still a nice perk, and it's our second most uh, requested perk of the more than 10,000 perks that have been requested on, on Ticker to date, uh, but the, uh, you know, that Disney perk is a commemorative stock certificate because a lot of parents and grandparents buy these sh a share of Disney for their, for their kids and our grandkids, and it's, it's a really cool stock certificate, but that's a perfect example. We have, it's our number one requested perk, and you have to buy, you have to buy the stock certificate. 
So, you know, we know that there are, there's huge demand for this uh, and, and people love, love discounted, like to be rewarded for, for ownership. Here's an interesting question uh, from our chat, uh, just from a regulatory standpoint, uh, is there concern, any concern on your end that maybe you're incentivizing people to, to buy a stock that maybe they, for, for no other reason than that they want the perk? Maybe they I think should. that's actually the, the reason we've set it up the way we have. That's actually the SEC uh, does not allow incentivizing stock ownership with, with perks or incentives of any kind. However, that's, what, that's why it's for current investors and it's like a dividend, shareholders of record as of. So you have to own the stock for a period of time. You have to own a certain number of shares uh, and we can't specifically promote a, a, a perk. So we can't say buy Apple, get a discount on iPhone. But if you own Apple, you then qualify for a perk. And so it's a uh, it's, it's a cart horse type of thing. But absolutely, we, we spent way too much money on SEC attorneys to, to miss this one. Uh, and then as far as like your business model, is it just like a, a referral system or how do you, how do you make money? Yeah. So it, it's really a, it's really a mar- marketing platform. It, it creates the opportunity for public companies to reach their own owners. Uh, and again, you're talking about, uh, you know, in your, in your, uh, in your city there in Detroit, uh, rocket companies, RKT, uh, they've got over a million individual investors and they've only been public for a few months. Uh, yet they have no ability to, to market to them. Uh, you know, Apple would have uh, would have five or, or seven million. McDonald's has two and a half million shareholders of record, but they do nothing to market to them. And so it's a marketing platform. Uh, and by again, make, verifying that ownership, you now are marketing to it to an owner. And we've created a metric called shareholder lifetime value, but it's really the function of how long you own the stock. Uh, times the amount of purchases you do with the company that you own. And we think that's going to be a, a big a, a CMO metric for the future. I don't remember if you said, but what is the minimum time you need to, uh, to hold the stock to get any rewards or perks? You know, it, it really depends on the perk and it depends on the company. We, we recommend 30 days minimum. Uh, and uh, at the same time, there's, there's four to six months, but you get a significant discount. Uh, and this is the type of thing uh, that's up to the companies, mm-hmm. but it, it, it shouldn't be a, you know, this is a, this is a day trader's nightmare, not, uh, not opportunity. Uh, but again, historically, individual investors are the longest, uh, longest holders. Uh, they are the most supportive of management. So they vote with management uh, and their consumers. So they're buying, they're, they're buying the, uh, buying the products. And that's, you know, that's really a big piece of this is, is if if you own McDonald's stock, you're driving by Burger King and taking your kids to McDonald's. And that has been a tried and true reality. We're simply making that, uh, activating that, that that truth. Who would you say you're, you're targeting? Are you targeting the people who are already investing who like might as well get perks? Or are you targeting people who don't even know anything about stocks, but who are a royalty member at Starbucks already and you say, hey, you might as well own the stock and benefit from the growth of the company if you're going to spend 20 bucks a month or 20, 20 bucks yeah, a month. I think that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And I think it's both. Uh, so it's the individual investor that already owns stocks uh, and, and should be, you know, they oftentimes own stocks and brands that they, that they shop. Uh, conversely, there's this, uh, there's this consumer who is a loyalist of, of pick the brand, right? They bought their last car on Broom. They shop at the Apple Store. Uh, they love their their Nike products. 
Uh, and, uh, and yet they didn't perhaps know that Converse is a, a part of the public company of Nike. And so, boy, if I buy my Converse, I'm actually helping my public company. And so converting individual investors to consumers and converting consumers to shareholders is really the ticker model. Yeah. Um, and then I, I just had a question that I wanted to ask you and it just, uh, it, it just slipped my mind here. Uh, I guess what, like, are, what perks do you participate in? Are there any that, that, that you, that you participate in that yourself or? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm trying to stay away from them as, uh, as with, as with anything, uh, certainly been, uh, I'm a shareholder of Wolverine worldwide and have taken that discount over the years yeah. uh, as a good example, XFC, uh, is a new is a new one. Uh, it's it's really the one of the only uh, sports leagues that's publicly traded. So DKMR, uh, a new perk uh, for for that uh, up and coming MMA fighting league. Uh, you know those are a couple of examples. I would take a Carnival Cruise or a Princess Cruise, which is a subsidiary, if I could. If you could. Uh, and so so those are a few examples. But that really gets to this. You know um, Harris Poll with with ticker again with two eyes uh, ticker uh, we uh, we did a poll just to see, hey, is there some truth to this? Consumers buy uh, stocks like they shop, and uh, and again, a, a couple quick stats for you: seventy-seven percent of individual investors would be more likely to buy shares of a public company if they offered a shareholder perk. Seventy-seven percent, eighty percent of uh, individual investors agree that being a shareholder in a retailer or consumer brand makes them more likely to be a customer of that brand. So these are not just, it's not just a big market, it's a high affinity market. And we think it's the biggest untapped affinity market in the world. And it goes back to what Peter Lynch said, right? Peter Lynch, if you don't know, was a famous investor, uh, ran the majority. What you know. And yeah, buy what you invest in what you know, right? That's, that's his, his most famous, he has several, but that is his most famous saying, invest in what you know. And if you're already shopped there, if you're already used the product, theoretically you know the company and and even if not it's a great place like i i've always thought that buying a stock is the best way like buying one stock is the best way to learn about investing because you learn what gives the stock value where uh you know you learn about multiples and valuation ratios and you can learn all that from one company right and so buying a stock is the best way to get entry into investing um even and, if, and, and that's really, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, yeah. Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, and, and oh, by the way, every, you know, every individual investor for decades, they, they do buy what they know predominantly. Uh, and, and I think that's really also why we have a, we have a content platform and we, we partner with, with our friends at Benzinga uh, on some of that stuff. And, and we love you guys, uh, but it's on the content. What you'll do is discover that, hey, I own an Airstream. I didn't know that, that that's a part of a public traded company called Thor. Or, you know, I, my, I give my, my dog milk bone dog biscuits and that's owned by Smuckers. Well, wait a minute, the jelly company owns Smuckers and Jif, you know, and, you know, and Folgers. And so this discovering of brands that are publicly traded is also part of what Twitter does. Yeah, there's a lot of conglomerates out there. You don't even know who owns, your, who owns that product. That's, that's really right. Cool. That's right. Uh, Jeff Lambert is the founder and CEO of Ticker. I dropped the link uh, there in the chat. It's also up there on the screen. T I I C K E R. Uh, Jeff, really appreciate your time. Like I said, I think I think it's a it's a really not <laughs> obvious idea uh, that more people should probably take advantage of. If you're going to own the stock, if you're going to shop somewhere, you might as well get the benefits of the other side of that equation. So, Jeff Lambert, uh, appreciate your time today, and uh, 
They don't talk to you again. Yeah, <laughs> Good to see you guys. Have, have a Merry Christmas. Happy Sunday. Christmas Eve. Happy New Year. Yeah. All right. That'll be uh, a wrap for us here. Want to put uh, our disclaimer on the screen real fast just to remind all of you that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. There it is. Hit that like button. 354 likes. I know we can get to 500 before I'm done talking. Uh, thank you all in, in our chats for those super chat comments. We appreciate all the comments, even the ones that I have to block or mute during the show. It's all appreciated. All of you on YouTube, on Benzinga.com, and on Benzinga Pro. I've written down a bunch of tickers throughout the hour. Uh, we'll cover those at 3.40. I know we didn't get to hardly any of them. I apologize. So we'll cover more of those uh, at the close show. Joel and I, I wrote down, for example, uh, what I, wrote, I wrote down like Lulu. I wrote down Insigo. I wrote down GameStop, uh, Light, uh, Vert. So Google, I wrote down a bunch. We'll cover those again at the close show. I apologize when you get to more of them in this hour. That's a wrap. You can catch this, of course, on YouTube where the replays on every major podcast platform. Everyone have a good rest of your trading day. Good luck. And again, we'll talk to you at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.